Welcome to the Gaming Trend Podcast, the official podcast of GamingTrend.com. My name is Anthony Shelton, and I am joined by David Burdett. Hello there. And Noah Rigsby. I, I like the mind trick. For those who are watching the little like Jedi <laughs> mind trick, the hello there, Jedi. I like that, tape. Oh, yes. <laughs> there we go. Well, that's why I do that every week. Hello there is uh, Obi-Wan General Kenobi. Yes. That's why that always happens. In this podcast, we talk about the latest games or the latest Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, intro. We also get our hands on uh, games in our backlog we should have played a long time ago and games you absolutely need to play. We also squeeze in news. This week, I played Diablo 4. Hmm. So I'll let the fellas ask me anything about that. There's a lot to cover. I don't even know where to start with that. So uh, Blizzard gave us a lot. So there's that. I also checked out the Pachimari event, and so did Noah in Overwatch 2. So we'll give our reactions to that, and we'll also get into some new stuff. David before doesn't have get... to hold down the podcast <laughs> today. But before we do get to starting, I, I do have okay. to uh, to interject just for a moment. Uh, mere hours after we finished our recording our last podcast, we found out the sad news that Mr. Lance Reddick had passed away. And I do want to say rest in peace, Mr. Reddick. We will miss you greatly. Still can't believe the man was only 60. Dude looked, dude looked like he was late 40s. <laughs> I mean, he looked yeah. good. Yeah. So uh, to it was definitely one of those high shock factor moments. I was actually driving and got where I was going, opened up my phone, and it had been an hour since that had happened. So it was that was pretty extreme shock value for me. So uh Rest in peace, Zavala, uh, Silence from Horizon, you know, all of it. it it's just, it, it's a sad day. Yeah, it was very, very similar, very shocking. The only other shocking celebrity death uh, that affected me in a similar fashion was Kobe Bryant. Um, that one, that one hit. And Laz Reddick felt very similar as well it's just you know he's on social media he's doing his thing he's looking happy he's looking healthy he's you know doing his thing with the fans next thing i know i'm on twitter and i see on tmz that you know he's he's dead and you know that was that was rough um you know it 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 brings you back to reality that you know (laughs) tomorrow's not promised so um but yeah, you know, it's it's a it's a it's a tough loss for sure. Um I have a I have a uh thing I'm going to put up on YouTube uh tomorrow or this weekend as I have time on something on Lance Reddick as well. So uh Noah. Yeah, he's a, he's a sweetheart. Um uh, everyone who ever worked with him had nothing but kind words and yeah, being so avid at destiny as i am you know grew up with him a little bit in this past years with him being you know our commander and stuff and i guess the reason why he hurts especially me so much uh you know because not only was he you know the voice of our leader in the game and stuff but he he played the game he loved the game just as much as we did um like someone found out, like on his uh, his uh, Bungie account or whatever, he is playing Destiny the night before he passed. 
And so to see someone who is that involved and beloved by so many, it, it really hurt. <laughs> one, of the, one of the few slabies where, you know, you, you do feel it does impact you, you know, even though personally never met the guy or interacted with him. Um, yeah, he is, he is always our commander. Agreed. I mean, I only really know him through Zavala. You know, I wasn't, I don't really watch too much TV or movies, so I wasn't really familiar with his work there. So um, I felt like, I mean, he gave Zavala a certain connection with all of us that I'm not sure. I mean, maybe another voice actor could, but I felt like Lance Reddick almost became Zavala, you know, in, in that sense. Like he did such a great job. He loved doing it. And I think that's, that's what hurts, you know, as, as fans, um, he was, he respected the craft of voice acting. He respected, uh, what it took to be Zavala in every conceivable way. So yeah, that, I mean, yeah, the, uh, that one hurts. It hurts a lot. So thank you for bringing that up, David. Thanks for blindsiding uh, me with that. Dude. I, was, I, could not, <laughs> I was crying on the podcast. Sorry. It's not on my bingo board of the night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know, it's always tough to pivot from those kind of things, but we're going to, we're going to pivot, um, rest in peace, rest in power, Lance Reddick. Um, I'm sure he would love for all of us to, you know, continue enjoying, you know, what we do as we celebrate his life. So, uh, with that said, again, no easy pivot. Let's talk about some Diablo four. Cause that was a big thing that happened this past weekend and I was uh, impromptu tasked with writing the impressions on it because Ron was at GDC and he's a big Diablo guy. Um, I actually didn't become a big Diablo person until Diablo 3, believe it or not. I didn't have access to a PC growing up um, where I could play Diablo 2. So I missed out on that. And by the time I got to Diablo 2 Resurrected, I was like, ah, this... This feels a little too dated for me. Um, and so here comes Diablo 4. And at this point, I've played a lot of Diablo-inspired games, other you know ARPGs and whatnot. And so not only with Diablo 3, but Diablo 4 just felt like, okay, yep, this, this feels really, really good. <laughs> so... Um, I'm going to let y'all ask me anything because I don't even know where to begin. Noah, I know you like Diablo, so I'm going to let you go first. Maybe you'll hit me with the question that will just get me flowing. Well, I, I, I appreciate Diablo um, and I, in that it's, it feels like the game that will be right up my alley. Um, I've never, I haven't actually played a Diablo. Uh, I didn't have access to it or a PC um, or anything like that. and. I, I mean, by the time Diablo three, you know, had all this stuff, I was like, "Hey, you know, a few of my friends, you know, want to want to play Diablo with me?" They're like, we've already beat it like you know sixty times. We're not doing any. I'm like, okay, fair. I'll wait till the next. <laughs> yeah. Time. Uh, so my question is: So you play Diablo three? Um, gameplay wise, 
what is the most significant difference in four versus three so far that you've that's a good question um in a lot of ways it feels it's still diablo right so Mm -hmm. you could tell it, it definitely takes the roots from diablo 2 so we'll start there it brings back um quick action quick decision making mobs just all over the place um and so feel wise it it doesn't feel different like if i popped in diablo 2 right now like it wouldn't feel different except for the fact that i'm using a controller whereas in diablo 2 originally you couldn't so um I would say it just the action feels more refined to it to a, a degree. Um, all of it from just pressing the button, from watching the animations to the difficulty balance to the loot drops, all of it feels ready to go, which is not something that could be said when Diablo 3 dropped. It didn't feel quite ready. Like, it felt good. It felt polished. But it didn't quite feel ready to go. The loot drops weren't quite right. Um, there were some gameplay quirks that weren't quite right. Obviously, they had the whole... Um, ah, I forget what it's called off the time of it. It's been a while since I played it. But the uh, the little... Not store, but... I forget. It was like a trading block or something like that. That wasn't quite ready. Um, but this in beta feels like it's ready to go um it's always trepidatious when i say ready to go with a beta because we've seen these games they come out in beta they look great and then the full thing comes out and you realize there's a lot more that you just didn't see. And so it's revealed and it's like, oh no, this actually did need to stay in the oven a little bit. I think Halo Infinite was probably the most recent culprit of that where, you know, the multiplayer, oh, it feels fantastic. Oh my God, all of that. And then you realize it's like, ah, the gameplay feels absolutely amazing, but there's some other things that just didn't end up fully baked. This feels very good. (laughs) Like it's kind of scary how really good it feels. That's um, the general consensus. Um, it is kind of what you're saying. Like Diablo like, three didn't feel addicting to me. Yeah, that's the way this does, and I uh, think it does have to deal with just how the pacing, the loot drops, the combat. Maybe it's because I was using the rogue class and I was just using a class that I was vibing with, but it. I just wanted to keep going i did not want to the story the story was compelling so there's all these pieces that are coming together in a way diablo 3 didn't i i think that's the best way to describe the difference individual pieces of diablo 3 felt pretty good diablo 4 collectively feels really good like all those individual pieces come together none of them feel bad on their own and then they come together and it's like, man, this they have put work into this to combine the freshness of Diablo 3 and the, the history of Diablo 2, like what people want and feel from that. So tone Diablo 2, 
pacing, I feel like Diablo 2, loot drops Diablo 2, and then kind of the ease of play, kind of the ease of access with the skill trees and things like that. Very Diablo 3-like. Um, so it's it's easy to get into. Still has depth. Um, but yeah, it just it meshes well. Sorry, I got it. I got going and I interrupted you. So go ahead. Oh, no, no. You're, um, like, it's funny. Like each, like there are certain things that you said. I'm like, oh, he's going to like that because I have a question. It's going to detail that specific thing he said. Um, but so, yeah, David, uh, do you have one? Yeah. Um, one of the biggest things for me, and I actually played through all of Diablo 3. Um, obviously a ton of fun to play co-op and everything, but it often felt like I could kind of leave the story behind, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, it, it was there. I yeah. just never felt... Uh, the game felt so good, it was just like, well, I, I just don't care. Like, it wasn't really... Didn't feel super well-developed to the point where I just, okay, I need to engage with the yeah, story. It was fair. just, okay, I, I want to go through, I want to beat this, I want to do this stuff. Uh, how have they gone about... Uh, in your impressions, you've you've talked a little bit about the story... How have they gone about making that something that you want to engage, you want to know what's going on behind it, all of this? They're telling a good story. So it's a story of intrigue. There's mystery. There's some moments where it's, you know, they explicitly like tell you what's going on, but I feel like it's minute details compared to the overall arcing story. The dynamic between Lilith and Anarius is fascinating in this game because you know, like, obviously they've always had beef, right? Like that's that's kind of the premise of this whole thing. But there is a way, I can't even detail specific elements, but there is, the way they're telling it lets you understand you are this cog in this huge machine of like, we're humans. We're doing our human things. We, you know, some people are into Lilith now. While Lilith is trying to uh, coerce them into sin, and Anarius, you know, he's trying to get back to heaven and you know do all this other stuff. And what's our place as humans? Like, how are we supposed to exist while this is going on? Are are do we have choice? Do we can we make our own destiny? Are we? Are we simply subjected to this life until this eternal war is over between these two? Some people don't even know the extent of this eternal war that's going on. And so you have these different things and then these different characters are introduced. They are not aware or they are aware. And it's compelling to see what they're going through and their involvement with this whole thing or the discovery of their involvement. Again, you only get to play act one. So there's still a whole lot to be uncovered, but I felt enough of it was fascinating enough to be like, okay, like I, I want to see what goes down with Lilith and Narius. Um, it, it, even at the end of act one, it's definitely seeming like Lilith is getting her way. And, you know, Inarius hasn't quite figured everything out yet. So there, there's just enough meat on that bone where it's like, ooh, okay, I'm chewing on this. The flavor's good, but I, 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 need, to, I need to know more. So yeah. they don't beat you over the head with a bunch of cutscenes. There are some, but I feel like the cutscenes that are there are placed in very good places. Um, 
I feel like the writing for the main story is good. NPC writing is like, eh, okay, like it, 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 it's hit or miss, you know, with NPC writing, that's super difficult to, <laughs> to create a just thousand millions of words in an interesting way. But I think the intrigue between Lilith and Arius, their broken relationship dynamic, and then where the humans fit into all of this and how we can impact this whole thing is interesting. Because then, you know, there's a part of me that's like, man, like, because you have people questioning, like, is Anarius, like, truly good? You know? And so it's like, oh, okay. There, there's something there. Like, this angel who's supposed to be opposing Lilith, he has selfish ambitions, and people recognize that. And so where does that go? Right? So... I think I think the story is telling itself and it and it draws you in. Cool. Yeah, I mean Diablo 3 like I said that it didn't really grab you at all. So just the fact that in a single act it's managed to grab you in four is is a good sign of things at least. Yeah. I'll preface it by saying I could be easy <laughs> like in terms of like storytelling, maybe it doesn't take a lot to to grip me. Um but I am. So, yeah. but it, it seems like you felt similarly to me with Diablo 3 at least. So you it that at least resonates with me. <laughs> oh, that's fair. <laughs> Noah, what else? So, I'm a big gameplay guy. From what I've seen uh with density, enemy density and stuff, it looks pretty good. Um how would you how is the not only enemy density between like ads and some of the beefier enemy types, but how are the enemies movement systems? Like, is it complex with their attack styles? Is it just kind of like repetitive? How overall is enemy combat? Like, are you constantly, do you feel engaged or do you like, oh, these like enemies all have the same exact attack styles or are they just mob towards you? There's a lot of mobbing towards you, but again, it's, it's paced very well. So you'll be going through a dungeon and you'll, you'll find sections where, you know, they, they, they do a lot of building up, uh, in dungeons. And so you'll have these moments you're in the dungeon and depending on what dungeon they might just go, uh, and just hit you with some, a couple of big beefy enemies, right? And you got to take them down. And then they'll you move further into the dungeons, and then it's some beefy enemies with a few mobs. And then you'll get further, and it's beefy enemies with like who got like support on them and a few mobs. So they don't. I was I was kind of surprised after I was done with the beta that I never felt like I was just inundated with mobs, and they're just just giant hordes the whole time like a lot of games will do that right like that's how they increase the difficulty just, they just throw more stuff at you they don't really do that in this they'll throw more stuff at you don't get me wrong but they'll mix it up so you'll have just like 25 enemies just come bum rush you and you got to figure out how to deal with that and then they'll have like three really beefy enemies with a couple of small enemies 
that come at you. And then it's just like uh, they'll have you know 15 enemies with one beefy enemy and like one support guy that's trying to hit you from the distance, right? So you, you'll have these different scenarios where you have to react differently the whole time. So you're not you're not going through and resolving fights the same way. You're not going through and just dealing with the same mobs attacking you the same way and you running the same way. You know, y- you have to consider a lot of different things. You, it definitely makes you figure out what abilities to use when, you know, doing all that stuff. So I I felt like the pacing of the the mobs was very good. But yes, in terms of the intellect of them, no, I mean they're they're mobs. They're the the mobs bum rush you. That's what they do. Um there are different kinds of, you know, you got your little gremlin looking ones, you got your little dog looking ones, you know, the I don't know the names of them. They came and attacked me and I killed them. So <laughs> that's I wasn't really interested in what the names of them were. But essentially you know, the close quarter mobs, that's what they do. They bomb rush you as close quarters. Um, and then y- you have your triangle of stuff. You got close quarters, mid-range, long range. Thank you for putting that up. <laughs> um, so that's basically what you got. Um, I'll fast forward more into the dungeon. There we go. Um, the Forsaken Quarry. Yeah. So you'll you'll see what some of it looks like here, but that that's how I felt at the end of it. I never felt like, oh yeah, they just that's that's difficulty. They just gave you more stuff to to hit, and they just pile. Now I have to fight forty five of them. Like it never really reached that level of stupidity. So it felt fair. It felt difficulty. By the way, I did play it on the hardest available difficulty that was available. It was veteran. Uh, I think the original is normal. So you had normal veteran and then after that is nightmare, but that wasn't uh, available, but I felt like it was a good difficulty. I felt like it challenged me. I died a few times. Um, It made me think I had to think about the build that I was making a little bit. Um, So yeah, that felt, that felt really good. Um, When it comes to, they've said in the past that Diablo four is shifting the series more into live service. Do you, did you have anything in here that, that made you feel that live service shift or like that you, that you saw, obviously, you know, you've only got one act of it, so it's hard to feel that in that, but did they have anything in there specifically that, that just kind of leaned that direction when it comes to live service? The, that's a good question. Um, the only live servicey aspect of it is now the the open worldish area is more MMO like. Um, I think in a way that Diablo three was not. I mean, you can see. It, it, in fact, it's it's more akin to Destiny. Um, I was gonna ask that if it was like the hub kind of. Yeah, but it, it's beyond the hub. So now you can like travel through the world. Like even before I entered this. Um, this dungeon, there are, you know, you're just in, in the world. You could travel. It's pretty big. It's, it's a decent sized map. And you see other people doing different things. There are live events that happen similar to what happens in destiny or world of Warcraft or, you know, things like that. Um, 
And I felt like that was uh, an interesting piece to add because there was there was only one time where it happened. I don't I don't know why, but there was something happening, and I could hear from coming from direction like, "Oh, somebody's attacking something. Let me go over there and see what was happening." And there was an event going on, so um, I, I felt like it fit. It felt like it belonged. Um, okay, but as far as live service and i assuming we're also talking season passes and battle passes and different things like that that i didn't see anything like that um everything that was available felt like this is just the game and there's nothing to buy there there was i couldn't find a store to even try to peek at so this was diablo 4 the game no microtransactions, no store or anything like that. I don't know if they're going to open stuff up like that. I would assume weekend. eventually it'll open up, if, but I would assume well, it won't be till launch. Yeah, yeah. I just don't know if they're going to like update anything and you'll see like a locked tab for a store or something. I don't know. But gotcha. Yeah, everything available uh, was just the game. So it didn't, it, I didn't even notice I was playing, you know online until i was in moments where i was online well that's a that's a good thing (laughs) that's that's honestly exactly what you want to see yeah so like here like spider mobs coming at me they're doing their little poison attacks meanwhile i got the brutes throwing spears at me so yeah i got these slow guys coming at me you blow them up little spiders come and try to attack so there's different there's different stuff that happens uh, I believe was it level twenty five that you got capped at in this beta? Yeah, twenty five. Yeah, I think I'm at um, fifteen at this point right now. Okay. Um, are you far enough? Like, or did you get far enough into uh, any type of builds? Like, how is your impression of the build crafting? Because I saw a skill tree, and I like me skill trees. Same. Uh, how how does all of it feel so far? So the skill tree is interesting. Um, I'm going to have videos about all this specifically on YouTube, but the skill tree, it feels like a roadmap more than a skill tree. So what you'll have, you'll have, I'll just, I'll just call them diamonds for now. So when you start your skill tree, you have three different diamonds you can choose from. One that uh, basically gives you different abilities with your basic attack. Another that gives you a uh, long range attack. So in mine, I chose throwing knives, but I could choose a bow as a rogue if I wanted to. And then you can choose different things that you want to do with those uh, abilities. So if you chose the bow, for example, there are modifiers you can have that do different things to deal more damage or add some sort of AOE effect with the bow. Same thing with basic attacks. There are different modifiers you can use that buff up your basic attack so you can do different things. And then you go down the tree a little bit. As you earn more points, you unlock a different section. And so a different section will give you something like core abilities, which are more or less passive abilities or abilities that use energy. So the little purple area, that's your energy. So 
you see on my Y, that is, that's an energy attack. So that section opens up. And then you can have modifiers that buff up those specific things. And then you open up another part of the tree. Now you're getting into more like special attack type of stuff. So stuff that has cooldowns. So one of them is like subterfuge attacks or another one that unlocks later are imbue attacks. So that's stuff that you can equip your weapons with like poison or ice or something like that. Subterfuge is more so like uh, sneaky strikes of, so you know, make yourself invisible, do a quick strike, stuff like that, very, you know, ninja-y type of stuff for the rogue. So you can choose that section. You can choose imbue section too. And then they have modifiers for those as well. And so that's about as far down the tree as you can go. Pretty much, there's one more section you can go. I didn't choose to use anything because the build I was creating was more along the what was uh, using for subterfuge. And <clears throat> what it felt like was you're not really building much with the skill tree. You're going to make a build based on the weapons and gear that you get. That's where the build is really going to go, which doesn't sound um, new. You know, like if, if you play something like Borderlands, right? Like the weapons you get influences, you know, what your build looks like. Kind but of monster hunter to a degree as well. Yes. And so, but in something like Diablo 2, uh, people would say Path of Exile. I would say also Borderlands. You can make a build strictly based on the skill tree. I don't feel like you can do that quite the same way in this game, partially because the amount of slots that you have partially because there's not a lot of creativity you can have with it. There are, it seems like what's there, the modifiers that exist, you go further down the skill tree. There's not a lot of things that connect with other things further up the skill tree. So the further down you go, it just seems like you're unlocking more stuff that allows you to do more stuff, but it doesn't always connect precisely with anything above the tree, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the kind of like from, Pokemon moves. <laughs> yeah. Not quite that simplistic. Like there's some synergies. I don't I don't want to say there's zero, but and like usually when I, oh yeah go ahead. Um, from what I've seen in like the gameplay, like I'm, I love build crafting and making yes, specific builds to do specific things, yeah. and then being able to adjust and change if I yeah. want to. Um, and it seems like a lot of games either do it like through their skill tree, where you have you know flexibility and variability, or you know the perks on the armor or mod slots on the armor. And so with it being more on the armor and stuff, it uh, this is just another question were there loadout options like could you save a specific loadout like if you had this select armor set that you were wearing that had you know this synergetic list of perks and stuff and then you had a separate set can you swap out those intermittently or do you have to individually save the armor and swap out each time yeah i, did, I didn't see an uh, option for loadout swaps at all <laughs> okay um that I'm, I'm not going to say it wasn't there. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe it wasn't there for the beta. 
or maybe I just didn't notice it. Um, there were some things that were locked, um, like the Paragon board, for example. I have no idea what that looks like. You can see it there. Unlocks at level 50. I have no idea what it looks like. So stuff like that. So I that could that could have been just a user error there, and I just missed out. Wasn't really looking for that. But like with the skill tree, like I'll 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 refer to Borderlands because I'm like heavy in that, but I also know it's Diablo inspired. So like you can choose um when you're going down, you select different stuff from the three skill trees that has Borderlands has three skill trees you can choose from from a character. And all of those you can put points into different areas with the intention of, ooh, that looks like that could match with this. That looks like a good idea, even though it's in a different skill tree. Um, typically, you know, you just go down the skill tree. There are certain things that are supposed to match with your playstyle, but you could be creative and go, I like this other thing in this other tree to match with what I'm doing. I'm going to use that. And then you'll find some weapons that got some interesting traits and stats on them. And then you go, oh, that opens up some ideas. Okay, let me see. Then you rework the skill tree a little bit, right? So there's a synergy between the two where you find new gear, you find weapons and go, oh, okay, this is, this is where I can find some interesting things. I felt like I was specifically feeling that with just gear, right? So I would go down the skill tree and go like, oh, okay, I could add some, I could add ice to my weapon. Cool. But then they would mess up one of the build options I was already using simply because it didn't match up or I had to use a slot or the timing of everything wasn't working. So like what I was doing here, like there was this very specific like what, First thing I had to do was this, which uh, which uh, procked this thing, and then I could use that thing to, you know, so like there's a lot of different things that were going on with that. Uh, I wish I remembered exactly what it was off the top of my head so I could explain it, but, you know, you, uh, all the, 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 the loot people and skill tree people understand, you know, sometimes you got to do things in a certain order to get the max power out of something, so we, we get that. Um, so That's what, what you're I was telling me is toward. the the loot grind is going to be real. It's always Ooh. been real in Diablo, mm. but man, it's going to be real in four. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I I felt the loot drop rate was good too. This is, I think, my first legendary that dropped right there. Um, that didn't happen until level fifteen, so. To me, that's that's nice. That's good. Like, I don't want legendaries dropping all over the place. I think I found four legendaries total, uh, in the amount of time that I played. So no uniques, didn't find any uniques at all. So, and yet the world level grows with you. So there's not sections of the world that are level limited. So let's just say the South part of the map starts at like one to 10. And then the West part of the map is 10 to 15 and, you know, something like that. Nope. As you grow, so does the game. It automatically levels up with you everywhere. And so it's kind of concerning. Well, okay, if it levels up everywhere, what's the loot drops going to look like? Um, but also, when you go to level 100, it, yeah, you kind of have to build it that way. Because um, at some point, 
you probably get to level 70 and everything is going to be legendary at that point, which fine. That's kind of the way it should be. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I, I didn't feel like I was starving for loot at any point, And I also didn't feel like I was spoiled for loot at any point. So it, it was a nice balance. David, do you have any more? No, nope, nothing for me. Well, I got I got one more for you, Anthony, if you'd like. Uh, yeah, I can talk about so, that. And I can come up with more, too. <laughs> um, so you've been pretty positive, uh, Stack, uh, about this, and it looks right up my alley with the loot, the grind, right up my alley, the build crafting. Um, is there any one pain point that you took from the beta that if you could have, like, a summit with the devs in the arcade. What did you not like, or what could we improve on or change from the beta? If you could give them one focal point, what would it be? Nothing. <laughs> like, there was nothing huge. The only, there was nothing huge. There was literally nothing huge. I do have some things that I don't think worked as well. Certain dungeons are set up to give certain classes items. In this beta, there was only one dungeon for the rogue. This is the dungeon right here. Um, I found two druid dungeons, one neck, two necromancer dungeons, and then I forget. Uh, I think three barbarian dungeons. Something like that. But basically, there's these dungeons and they uh, they have specific items that unlock for those classes. I don't know if it is, if I as a rogue completed the dungeon, that item unlocks if I decide to um, use our barbarian, like I have access to this thing. But basically, they, they are passive. They are passive skills that you unlock. Um, and so to me, feeling like I'm going through these dungeons solo, because at this point I didn't play the game co-op at all. I felt like I didn't care about doing those dungeons. So that, that felt not great because it was like, well, why would I go through this dungeon if it, if it's going to have a necromancer item? Like I, I get nothing out of this besides experience. Maybe I get some loot drops but I don't want to do that. So I don't like that. I wish I get why they're doing it because most people probably use multiple classes where I myself tend to stick to one class for a very long time. (laughs) Even after I've maxed out the class, I tend to stick to that class. Most people will end up using multiple classes And so this idea does work for them. I just wish that I feel like the loot drops also increase for those dungeons as well. Like I did feel like I got more rogue drops uh, items limited to just rogue in the rogue dungeon. So if that is an actual thing and that wasn't just my mind playing tricks on me, uh, I do like that a lot because you know exactly where to farm for loot. Right. So that's super useful. That's, I think, really useful for 
new players who get into it and then they can learn like, oh, I can I can get specific stuff. Well, okay, where do you get it? Just go to the rogue dungeon, you know? Um because I I think class building becomes a barrier at some point for for players who are just kind of kicking it and whatnot. This that kind of thing makes it easier. But in terms of a person who tends to stick to one class, it doesn't make me want to do those dungeons, which means I'm probably missing out on stuff. Okay. Other than that, I mean, some of the dungeon designs are kind of weak, kind of repetitive, just the design of them. I remember walking through a hallway and there was a staircase on the left side. And then I got through that section and I get to the another section and there's the staircase again on the left side. And then I got through the section and then again, the staircase on the left. And I'm like, what are we doing? <laughs> what is this? And it didn't really like bother me in that way, but it was noticeable. It was like, uh, uh, okay. All right. Well, I'm having fun at least, but yeah, this, it's not really inspiring dungeon design. I, I have heard that some of these dungeons or, I don't know if some of them, maybe all of them, have some sort of procedurally generated element to it. Um, I don't know if that's true, but if it does, I guess that makes sense. When you make a game this big, like it's kind of hard to handcraft all the dungeons. But it did make me appreciate the handcrafted dungeons. You know, it's like yeah, yeah I, I can't say I walked away from any of these dungeons going, man, I'd love to do that dungeon again, where, you know, I feel that in something like, you know, Diablo 2, Diablo 3 had some decent dungeons. Uh, Borderlands had some great dungeons. Uh, Destiny 2, the strikes, you know, those are obviously the raids, you know, like that sort of stuff. Handcrafted. It's like, yeah, that mm-hmm. feels good. Feels good. It's memorable. Not really in Diablo 4 so far, so... There's bosses oh that was the other thing bosses not really that interesting oh my gosh they are not interesting so so mechanic wise boring oh my gosh <laughs> so boring let's see if i can <laughs> find okay yeah here's a boss oh my gosh so this is like the boss this every boss does they have one powerful attack and then they got their basic attack that they do over and over again and you spend 90 percent of your time just running waiting for the opportunity to to hit that is every single boss fight it is so boring and it's really boring when you're when you don't have a build that well you know because you're still trying to find the stuff so it's like every little thing you do has to be like super precise because it is one of those games where you know they swipe at the attack and basically if they do the attack and you're in the vicinity vicinity in the moment even though if you dash away or something you're still going to get hit is that so you got to run back you know do the thing at this point like i had a better build so i was i was doing okay but like this this is all you do you just run 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 attack okay here's the moment okay attack uh, all right the last boss though did have more interesting mechanics. It was less about running and more about positioning. Um, and there was also a one-hit KO attack, which at least livened things up a little bit. So, um, but yeah, boss, boss, oh my gosh, not, not great. I, I noticed on the top, um, and I've seen it in some other uh, boss fights that I was um, watching, uh, content creators, you know, streaming and stuff, it looks like there's damage gates. And so there was no yep. change in attacks at all. If you hit that threshold, like as you got them lower health. 
So you'll see you'll if if I get around this column, I'm using it as defense, but uh, you'll see him throw out an attack. It starts off as one blob of acid. You get to the second phase, it becomes two blobs of acid. You get to the third phase, it is three blobs of acid. And so at the fourth phase, what do you think happens? Four blobs of acid. So yes, like (laughs) your your running space is limited at that point, but the mechanics don't really change. It's just like, okay, like he's throwing down four blobs of acid. Don't step in the acid. Ooh, okay. All right. Still using the column as defense. Whoop-de-doo. <laughs> so yeah. it, it, it's not great. Um, again, the last boss in Act 1 is more interesting. I did have fun fighting that boss, but and I'm not going to show it just because I don't want to spoil it for people who play this weekend. But that'll be me. <laughs> yeah. So I I do feel like there's some hope that maybe later bosses have more interesting mechanics. And maybe it's these side quest dungeons or these class specific dungeons that don't really have interesting bosses. But maybe the story based bosses are more interesting. I don't know. But first impression of the bosses, not great. Not great. <laughs> Awesome. Say, so, yeah, watch. We'll see if I can get to the third phase. <laughs> um, spoilers, I think he does. I think I do. It, it just looks fight. so clean, too. Like you were talking about polished. It. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like there. Sometimes it feels like there's two types of betas where there's a beta where it's like, hey, we need to check and see, like, where we're at and where we need to improve on. And there's some betas where it's like, we need to test servers and that's the main reason. You know, everything we have is mostly complete. We just got to check servers and stuff. It seems like this is basically a server check because it looks really good. Yeah, it looks, it felt finished. Uh, This, this, it did feel like a, we need to check server. I mean, that, that is the reason why they're doing this beta um, because they do need to check the servers. But you know, I'm not trying to rag on Destiny. I'm just saying I remember it when Destiny before it originally came out. I'm talking about Destiny One. They had the beta, and you played it, and yes, it was it felt finished. But it it was like ooh, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> this, that was this, this, and people are like, uh, you know, there's going to be more. You know, when the game comes out, and then the game comes out. It's like no, that that what you saw is what you got guys like <laughs> that's what it is oh yeah this is definitely a what you're seeing here is what we're going to get there is no question about it it's just very very good yeah it, I, i'm excited to uh go sit in queue for you know six hours waiting to get in whenever the open <laughs> beta uh, goes live yeah man it's a. Uh, it's great. At least you are aware that you're going to sit in line. There are so many people who are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I took the day off just to sit in line all day. It's like, dude, it's, not, it's like going to a concert. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know what you're going to get. Like, you don't pay for a concert with thousands of people converging on one area and, and expect like no else. lines. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> technically, that's not how that works. Yep. Uh, very, very silly. So, uh, so did the you played the rogue class. I did, yes. Right? Um, I was watching Glad, 
play the sorcerer like magic yeah, yeah. class and he got yep. a pair of boots that gave him just constant health regen okay uh, and he was name. just running through ads and when the ads would attack him he would do like an aoe damage effect and he was just running through and he got to the point it was so broken that he was out healing the damage that the ads and even the higher end mobs were dealing to him and so he was just standing there okay yeah was there anything that you got so far that seems like you could have that potential to be just absolutely bonkers if you spec into it that doesn't even sound that bonkers like because they're just ads at that point well Um, he was doing like um like even beefier targets yeah 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 even with beefier targets like i got to a point with the rogue maybe rogue is more of a, a squishier target but um i definitely got to a place with the rogue where uh i could stand in a place take some damage uh, without even recovering damage and just obliterate mobs in like one hit um, with with a certain attack. So, yes. <laughs> the answer to your question is yes. That's, that's it, what I like. I like it. It is I possible. Can, it's like figuring out that one build that can just break the game. That's I love trying to figure out those builds. So, yeah, so like if you look at, you know, what kind of stuff exists, and this is rare, right? So you you'll see stuff like six percent damage uh, to close enemies, great for rogue, right? Critical strike damage, vulnerable damage, damage to close enemies. Uh, so like vulnerable, for example, there are some spots on the skill tree where you get an advantage with vulnerable. So that's something you want to take advantage of. But then there are other things on the skill tree that are there, and you don't see a lot of synergies with those things. So it's that kind of stuff where it's like, ah, uh, like there's a shift mechanic with Rogue where if you strike an enemy, you can move through them. And there's a modifier where if you move through them five times, like move through five different enemies, the next attack dazes the next enemy. Interesting, interesting sounding mechanic. Didn't turn out to be very effective because you do fight a lot of mobs, so it's kind of useless. But there's nothing to... There's not a lot of things, I will say. I won't say there's nothing, but there's certainly not a lot of things that synergize with that kind of mechanic. Even though it's not a named mechanic, it is something that you have. And I didn't see any weapons, any gear, jewelry, anything that could synergize with that particular mechanic very well. So that's where I feel like the skill tree is more like a roadmap than a tree. It's like... We're going to give you some options, but those options are going to be set in a way where you don't have to really think too hard about how they synergize. It's kind of already there for you. If you want to think a little bit more, think about what gear you're equipping. You would, you would, would you say that the, I guess, skill that kind of just enhances certain abilities and then you spec those abilities in your gear that you're build crafting? If that sentence made sense, I don't know if it did. In my head, it made sense. <laughs> You're asking uh, the skill so tree. Your gear is yeah. so what seems like, just from my impressions, the main tool that you'll use for build crafting and play styles. Yes. Is that correct? 
So in, in one is sense. This so for example, like if I decide to run imbue where I do AOE damage or not AOE, but um, dot damage to enemies. Um, that starts from the skill tree. So you go, I want to create a dot damage rogue where the, I have poison, I have ice, and I, I have whatever. Poison and ice. And I want to make sure those, when I hit, like that dot damage goes quick, it hits hard, and I don't really have to work that hard. I can hit and run. You know, that's the style of play I want to do. So you start there. You pick different things in the skill tree that do support that idea, but then everything else after that, it's all gear and weapons. Okay, that makes sense. It looks good. Man, I'm gonna... Yeah. It actually looks good, too. Like, graphically. It does look Graphic good. <laughs> I don't know, there's some fools out there who'd be like, ah, look, barely looks better than Diablo 3. I'm like, what are you looking at? <laughs> like, you you get like... The, the lighting is better. <laughs> like, people talked about they wish the camera were pulled out. I'm like, it looks good because the camera's pushed in and it still looks very good. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. that, yeah, I don't know if you guys uh, actually put that together, but, you know, it's like, yeah, they're, they're showing it off on, intentionally. Um, I do find it interesting you can't pull the camera out a little bit more, but it doesn't bother me. That's not something. That was whatever. Anything else? No, I, I'm just ready to, like I say, sit in queue. And then, you know, the next day I'll, I'll get in and be asleep because I missed it, you know. <laughs> the, the youth. Um, they yeah. are adding, was it two new, the two necromancer and something else, the druid, right? In the, the yes. Window? Yep. I think it is the druid. Yep. The necromancer and the druid. I know for sure the necromancer um, for the next. So uh, I don't know. But you also get to keep the progress you made from this one so like my rogue i think i ended up 20 so i get to keep that progress into the next one um, and does continue any, to build it does any beta progress carry over into the game or do you have to start over in the game? no no, no. Okay. everything ends this weekend so i know a lot of times with betas they give you some sort of thing for like hey participating yeah. yeah yeah so there's probably like a piece of gear a nameplate or something i'm sure yeah probably if it's gear it'll be obsolete by level 10 probably oh, gu- yeah. guaranteed <laughs> guaranteed i so you got to what you said level 15 i got to 20 20 okay um so you said legendaries were pretty uh pretty fair fair meaning like in terms of the amount of times you're getting them dropped. Yeah, only four times. By the time I finished Act One, it was four. So, um, the reason why I ask is um, I don't know if you saw, but on uh, the Twitter sphere, uh, apparently the devs have come out and said that the legendary drop rates were intentionally overtuned for testing purposes, and in the base game they're going to be turned down. Okay. Again, level 20. Here's what I'll say about my build with the legendaries. The one where my build was best was in the weapon. If I didn't have legendary gear, I'd be fine. 
I still would have been fine. Uh, in fact, there were a couple of times where uh, rare gear or blue gear, I don't even remember what the rarity of that is, uh, was outdoing uh, my legendary gear. I just decided not to use it because there were specific stats on the legendary gear that I did want to keep. But there were there were times where I was like, ooh, I might just want to drop this piece of legendary and just, just move <laughs> on. Um, so I don't, they're not overpowered by level 20. So, I mean, tune down. That could mean I got four. Maybe I get three instead. You know, like, yeah. I don't, I don't think it's going to be a significant tune down. Cause again, I only found four. I didn't find any uniques. Uh, I know some people did find one or two. I didn't find any. I don't know. It felt good. It felt right. Uh, is there an infusion system at all? Like if you get a yes, yeah, okay, there is. Yep, you could take you could take one trait off of a legendary and put it to another piece of gear that you are okay. using. Yep, you could absolutely do that. Um, gems you can place into certain things that have sockets. I don't think. Well, I think once you put in the gem, you cannot remove it. So there is that. I was trying to figure out if I could remove it. I couldn't. So that is a thing. Still a thing. Uh, yeah. I think I covered a lot. <laughs> like I said, I it looks, I'm excited. It, it definitely seems like a game I'm going to sink lots of hours and time into. Yeah. Any final things, David? No, seems like we covered a whole lot with it. So, all right, sounds good. Well, that's the album four. Play more of that this weekend. So, Noah, we can we can definitely play. I will be on. I will be on all day, but I, I will be on for sure. Wait for me. I'll be in queue. Uh, <laughs> well, I won't. I won't be playing until Friday night, and then Saturday I'm gonna drop four hours into it and then sunday is going to be a free-for-all so um so yeah i'll look for you ron's going to be playing too so yeah this this is going to be a it's going to be a thing i'll be the guy in line like wait for the wait up right down to the music park you had the fast pass i'm stuck in line. Like <laughs> all right else. all right uh so overwatch 2 dropped their pachi mari event Noah, you played it. I played it. I want to hear your thoughts, though. I've been talking a lot. So, for those, I'll do a quick recap. Um, it's a new, or the new, limited time event for Overwatch 2. Um, Pachimari, for those who are unaware of the Overwatch universe, but it's a fictional creature in the gameverse um, that it looks like an onion with four green little tentacles out of the bottom and a cute little chibi smiley face. I think it was mostly created to market for like plushes <laughs> and to sell merch. Um, but it's adorable little Not creature wrong. and do what? Not wrong. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like they're Grogu, but one. not as endearing. Uh, <laughs> so, so in this, there are rewards for the event. Uh, there is a roadhog, skin that is Pachimari themed, a weapon charm, name card, and player icons. So you do certain challenges. They've kind of gone away from, hey, just win like nine games in this event. You get the skin. It's, it's now you have to complete specific challenges in the event. 
uh, Brunswick, I think, the fourth. So the main, I guess, new feature is an arcade mode uh, called Roadhog's Kachimari. And it is a mode. Uh, so it's 3v3. Uh, and the goal is to defeat enemies. And when you defeat an enemy or you are defeated, you drop a Pachimari, which if you've played a game mode like Kill Confirmed in Call of Duty or one of the other various shooters, it's basically that. You have to collect the Pachimaris as they drop. If your teammate dies and you run over and collect that, it can prevent the enemy team from grabbing it. Uh, it's first to 20 wins or 10 minutes. Um, the maps are very small. They're cut off portions of the regular maps. Uh, for those who have ever played in like the warm-up area before a game, it's basically those. Uh, nothing crazy. I didn't see any particularly like themed changes to the maps. Um, I played for about an hour, and that was all I really wanted to play. Because, <laughs> um, man, is it slow, in my personal opinion. Slow uh, meaning? it's It should have been 5v5 and no tanks. Like, I think having four DPS and then, like, one healer, um, you could even have the map even bigger. You, like you say it's section. 3v3. Is it, Does each person have to pick a role? It For the most part, yeah. It's, like, one tank, one... Like, is it locked, or is it just one of those yeah, where it's once whatever you, once you, you want? Picked, um, once I selected a tank. There was no more tanks, and okay. In every game, it was one dips, one tank, one healer. Gotcha. Uh, okay. So I'm uh, assuming. <laughs> so you can pick up to two DPS because I remember my team had two DPS. I was going to switch to a May for self healing, and I couldn't. Gotcha. Okay. I, I guess I just got the the people who are like actually wanted team synergy. Uh, uh, <laughs> right so i the it just the pacing felt slow like 3v3 um just to me i didn't like it uh i, I much prefer the faster pacing of the game and i think it can be very easily uh exploited in terms of a meta because on quite a few of the games if you got up in terms of like token or Pachimari's caught, um, which you don't catch, you just walk up and grab. That's beside the point. Uh, the teams would just basically switch to like a bunker comp where it's they could have multiple matches where they would swap to a Rhine, BAP, and then Junkrat, sit in a corner, shield up, and just spam. And so hmm. it made for very uninspiring. Uh, matches <laughs> so interesting i can get around that well it's you can get around it but no, i'm, just, I'm saying like your teammates like they were like would they just be stubborn like i feel like yeah if you're if you're playing if you're playing so if you're solo if you're playing so have an issue yeah, against somebody who isn't yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> there was <laughs> and also like it, especially 3v3 i felt like there were it's more prone in matches where you'll either have the one person on the other team who is like hard carrying or the one person on your team who is playing a DPS Moira with a meme. I, and I was hard there. carrying. Uh, <laughs> well, not, 
I don't mean to so, sound awful, but you know, this is not a mode that is a. I don't look at this mode and think, "Oh, team-based mode." <laughs> like well, that's that's just not what I look at when I think of this mode. Like, that's kill confirmed is such a like non-team-based mode. That's I mean, like that's what I'm saying. It's three v three setting. That's kind of how you need to play. Yeah, it's so small. Like I would have much preferred to have four dips, one healer. Um, or you can even do five dips and just let teams go all out <laughs> like and have the counter much higher um so that way it actually felt or uh engaged because i don't know about Janthic. i had no one running after the patch marries they i don't know if they didn't read the uh <laughs> they didn't the read the manual yeah oh nice like, nice sleep to make sure that you got that by the way oh yeah <laughs> look at him look at him go um but yeah, it, I think there's a lot of potential here. I, I think for being of like a first iteration of the mode, uh, it's got good potential for fun, especially being an arcade mode. I think some tweaks and some changes, it would be a lot better for me. I know there's going to be people out there who really like it. You know, it's fun. You know, it's in the arcade. It's not meant to be like, yeah, super competitive, know, super, <laughs> super crazy or, you know, chaotic because it's arcade mode. Um, Watching yeah. this, I can see how far it would be very OP, it feels like. I I ran into Did I just prove, just prove that right there? No. <laughs> I was, I was, you did. I was fixing to say, I, I ran into a few... I made, I made the far kind of, switch. Yeah. <laughs> Let's Diva, say that. The D.Va takes care of that far up pretty easy. Yeah, uh, that's true. But yeah, so, like I said, potential, it just, 3v3, for me, didn't fit. It was... A little, little too slow for me, but I, I like fast-paced game modes. No, that's fair. Yeah, that's I, why I switched to COD. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Um, no, I, I loved it. Honestly, <laughs> I'm complete, complete <laughs> opposite. I absolutely loved it. I loved that it wasn't fast-paced. Uh, <laughs> I, I liked the tension. Uh, I, I am one of those people. Um, I don't mind games like soccer because I that at some point it's like somebody's got to score and i'm like i i like that tension of just like who is going to be the person to score here hockey i I tend to prefer hockey because it is more faster paced but it's the same tension you know you don't get a whole bunch of scoring all the time yes basketball is my favorite sport because i love to see them running up and down the court but I ten. <laughs> I, I was I was trying to remember the lyrics, but I couldn't. I like, I'm glad you. Uh, I'm glad you came in clutch on. Um, but yeah, that you know that's a very fast paced game. But um, <clears throat> that's that's what this tension brings because we were down fourteen eight, and we end up coming back and winning this game. And part of that is uh, part of that is a little hunkering down and you know pl- playing better, playing that bunker. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, we're bunkering. I'm rocking Anna and you know whatever else my team is is running Moira. So like, I mean, the the back and forth that's available through this is a lot of fun because at some point, now with me, I think Overwatch has always fundamentally been about. Uh, switching okay mm-hmm. yeah so your the other team is running something that is that is obliterating you all right find a counter 
figure out how to get around it. That's what I've always felt Overwatch has been. And so this feeds into that a whole lot. Like this is, all right, they got this Farah. All right, somebody, definitely somebody picked Soldier. Yeah, I switched to Ana because of the Farah. So I was like, y'all ain't dealing with the Farah. This, this Ash isn't really doing very well against it. So uh, let, me, let me help out and deal with this thing. And we ended up winning, you know, like because we made the proper switches. I'm and confused so, at why they kept flanking too. Like the, those one-on-one flanks were not working. <laughs> because I was honest with the Reaper thought, yeah. like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give this honest some problems. But those look like my teammates. Are you sure he wasn't playing me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe. Who knows? But those kind of opportunities for an arcade game, it felt, I was like, wow, this is like the best arcade game I feel like they had. Like CTF was fine when they first came. And I was like, all right, CTF is all right. TDM, I've never felt like Overwatch fit with TDM. I just, it doesn't fit at all. Free for all, TDM doesn't work. This feels like it actually works. It's not perfect. I, I, I get that. And I figured there are some ways to cheese it. I hadn't discovered it yet up until you talked about the Bunker Cup with Junk yeah, Rat. Yeah, yeah. Those, those three, those three. <laughs> Just pick those. Yeah, that's weird. I, I'm like, I feel like the, I'm like, okay, then pick Roadhog and Junk Rat, bust that shield up real quick, hook them, and you know, <laughs> go to work. So, um, Yes, I understand there's Baptiste. But my point being, it is one of those, because it's a small arena, there's only three characters. What you pick from the beginning can set you up for success or failure. Your failure to switch to different things can set you up for success or failure. And I love that. And I love that constant back and forth the entire match. This isn't working. All right, let me switch to something else. All right. Ah, this is working. Okay. Oh, shoot. They switched. The, oh, frick. Okay. Uh, can I keep this? No, nope, nope. I can't keep this. Okay. They're not going to switch. All right. So I'm going to switch. So, you know, like that sort of thing. I love that. Like, I just love trying to outmaneuver, outpick, whatever the case may be, the other character until it's like, yeah, I made you pick a character you ain't comfortable with and I can stick with the one even though it's not great. Yeah. <laughs> Suckers, you lost. So I like that. Did you have, I don't know, and this, I actually just had a bad session. You know, that's why I left a bad taste. I, my teammates, and like, the amount of staggering, like respawn staggering, was much more prevalent in this game, it felt like, because there were only three versus uh, regular gameplay. Like, I felt like it was constantly 1v2, maybe 1v3. Because yeah, I think that's probably your teammates, because you got to wait for your team to come off a of spawn, and they probably weren't. They're probably just throwing themselves in there. To be fair, there were some times I forgot like I could auto respawn because I'm just so used to, you know, waiting for, you know, when the game says you can respawn. So there were some times I was waiting a little bit (laughs) and then I was like, oh, shoot, I totally forgot. Let me click the space bar. So that could be a thing that was happening. Um, To be fair to other people who might be playing. Um, But yes, that is that's a thing for sure. Um. There like was said, one time I literally spawned next to the enemy and died pretty much instantly. <laughs> Hate it when that. But that happens. was the only time that yeah. happened. Um, oh, it just it didn't bother me. Like I, 
uh, I can see why people like it, and there will be lots of people like you who like and enjoy it for being an arcade. But just for me, it didn't click with me. Yeah, but I have a I have much more. I have a very different uh, preferred playstyle in hero shooters and stuff like that. And you'd be playing with those console people. I don't know what those console people. Oh, those console people. Now you're playing. <laughs> <laughs> PC players be woo. I just want to. Oh my gosh. Oh, I, I want Titanfall 2 back. That's all. Yeah, that would be nice. That would be nice. That was the perfect fluidity and pacing of each shooter. And I'll never get it. It's fine. But yeah, it. I would like to see um, if they expand and try different variations of this mode. Because like, they could confirm it could work. Um, I think so, yeah. I, I mean, it works on a lot of other shooters. I, I would like to see if doing like a 5v5 format. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Because I don't know how big you make the arena at that point. Yeah, um, that's the biggest thing. Yeah, how big the arena is, like how those comps come together. Because um, that, that's the key thing about Overwatch 2. Like, it has to be something that allows for compositions to be made. It can't be just like, we're just going to let you just pick the DPS and then go at it. Um, that That's what I want. I want. I want to put my skill versus their skill. That That's, I get that. Lose. I do I'll get that sentiment. Because I'm bad. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I would just like, I don't know. I think for that game mode, it'd be kind of cool to, uh, have that set up, but you know, it's a hero shooter. There's abilities that go into play and stuff like that. So, yeah, and I think just the nature of Overwatch, like I, I, I do believe developers need to stick to the ethos of their game, which is why I don't think TDM works at all in Overwatch. It just it is complete opposite of what Overwatch is. Um, but this one, where I, I think of all the mo- traditional shooter FPS modes that they've put in, this one works the best. Like, CTF is okay. TDM doesn't work. This kill confirmed. I think it works. It's not perfect, but I do think it works. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It works. I just, I would like a different, uh, just personal. Yeah, I, I like what they've done, though. And, and, and the skin's cute. It's a, it's a very adorable it is, road dog skin. It is, skin, so. it is a, adorable. After they um, nerfed him into the ground, uh, <laughs> waiting on that, waiting on that rework. I soloed a Roadhog with freaking Kiriko. <laughs> I was like, okay, this is yeah, this is bad. <laughs> for that rework needs to come in quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. um, I get perhaps at some point they will add um, this kill confirmed mode potentially as a. Uh, you know, workshop type of thing. And maybe, you know, you could experiment with the kind of kill confirmed you want to see in Overwatch. Five ashes against each other. (laughs) And I will play it with with you. Oh, okay. Well then one question. Would you allow ultimate abilities? Yeah. Could you imagine Tim Bob's running at each other trying to get back? He's like, (laughs) if you code them to target the patchings, like the little cute things like that would be so funny so okay so you so you are open to a little chaos all right that's good to know i'm an agent of chaos sir. okay (laughs) 
All right. Well, that's Overwatch to the new event. I think it's pretty good. Noah thinks it's all right. It's all right. It's fine. I I would if I would be to play it again, it would be like to queue up with friends. Like it's not going to be a mode that like I'm just going to go to be like, oh, I want to play this, you know, solo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's that's. So. I'll go. I would go into it solo. I do feel like it's a challenge, also, especially as a support player. But not, play it with me. Okay, let's, let's let's fill out two spots and then see what happens. Seems we gotta do good. this. We gotta do this. We gotta record it for the people. All right, we gotta let the people see it. They want to see okay? me just unga bunga W key into a uh, current. Hey, event. you know, fine. Let the people see. All right, David, what's the news for news? We have seen that Redfall has been touched by some of the press. Uh, we <laughs> weren't part of those press. <laughs> but what? Okay. what is kind of cool is everybody so far is saying really good things about Redfall. And I do feel like this is probably a game that you need to have in hand to make an honest yeah. opinion on it, which yeah. is one of the reasons why it being on Game Pass is such a good thing. Oh, I thought you were about to say, which is the reason why I got my hands on it right now. No. <laughs> to play it no. for us. <laughs> no, but it is a, I think that it's such a good thing this game is coming to Game Pass because there's a, a good chance it can be discovered. And with it having this co op, uh, the co op abilities and everything like that, you're going to have a lot of engagement in it. And I mean, I mean, I'm, I've seen everything from it's a game of the year candidate. Oh man, some of what they're doing in this game is just incredible. I, I don't necessarily think it's going to reach those kind of heights, but I do think it could at least be better than what everybody's saying it is. It's still one of those games. And honestly, it's just arcane in general. Their stuff is very like, I don't know what it is until I touch it. <laughs> like that's just yeah. arcane, like for the long, for a large, unless you're playing a sequel. Usually, um, I felt like I understood what Dishonored and Deathloop was when they first showed those. I I did not know completely. Like De- Deathloop sound well. Deathloop we saw like at every PlayStation showcase because so I mean if you didn't know what it was by the time they finished that up. <laughs> They showed the whole game in six minute increments at every PlayStation showcase. (laughs) That's what they didn't tell you. We actually beat the game for you. But uh, I did like hearing uh, they said uh, with Redfall, it's Far Cry meets Borderlands of all things. So, yeah, they said that in an earlier preview. Yeah, I knew Far Cry. I just had never heard anybody say Borderlands like that. I'd never heard that comparison. Yeah, they mentioned that before. Um, I, I still am not the biggest fan of when I see like when they go to the character menu and one in the IGN preview and you see all the, the gear with numbers and everything like that. That's the point where I'm like, ah, do I have to go through this? Far Cry and Borderlands. Why, why are we copy pasting <laughs> mechanics from every other? You're arcane. Like do arcane things. <laughs> yeah, but. Which I will say, to be fair, that that's the exact criticism I said uh, a couple of weeks back. Yeah. It, d- it didn't look like an arcane game. Um, but after seeing it, I'm like, okay, I could see I could see the arcane touches on it. Well, I like still one of the wonder, things. Go ahead. I still wonder if the overall feel of it 
uh, gameplay wise is truly arcane. But there are some things in there that I was like, okay, I could see yeah. that is what arcane does. Is this what it feels like though? Yeah. Well, and as per usual, when you get 90 minutes to play something, that means it, it's heavily curated. Uh, they, cause the only play was at a specific event and all these, and everybody knows, uh, I, I, I've talked about this with multiple people. Previews are always going to be on the glowing side. You're not looking to criticize something in a preview because it can change before launch. I'm not saying that a lot can change. Like you go and preview, uh, suicide squad right now, core gameplay is not changing. <laughs> if it's bad, it's just bad. But when you go into a preview, you are looking to be positive. That is just what a preview is. Because you can't make a final judgment in a preview. <laughs> yeah. I um, mean, I, I, but, think, I think a maybe more accurate way to say it, just to, for those non-media people, you're looking to see what the heck it is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like... So you don't want to go in like hypercritical. It's like, I don't even know what this no. thing is. Like, obviously, if it sucks, it sucks. But at the same yeah. time, you want to leave room yeah. for it may not be this because I only played 20 minutes. Of, you know, like, yep. there, there's a lot that can change in a game. And I, even if you play the first, like I played Dead Island 2. I played five hours of it. And there's 20 hours of gameplay. I didn't even touch any of the projectile weapons. Right. Like, that's a huge part of the game. Uh, there's a whole lot of story that I have. I, I played a good amount, but I still don't know about, so I can't make a final judgment on it. I can just tell you, you know what? This felt good. This worked well. So, uh, you know, we're going to get that with Redfall, especially with only an hour and a half in. But I did like some of the things that I was hearing. Like, for instance, they're saying, like, the, I love and hate it at the same time. Like vampires, uh, you can kill them, but you don't full on kill them unless you get them with a stake. Yeah. Like that's that's a oh that's an arcane thing, and it's also a oh that's an arcane thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like like kind of thing of uh, you're gonna make me think about this, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, the uh, being able to use fire against them works using uh, electricity, electric traps, uh, the, the UV light gun, but you got to make sure you go and break them before they shake themselves out of it kind of thing. Like it's it's it, those are the little arcane touches. I'm like, OK, you know what? I, I bet when I get to play this that it probably does feel good. Like uh, I'm not I'm not definitely not going to they've they've earned my trust at least in that most of the time when arcane comes up with an idea or a mechanic i got that i think all of like you said our worries have more stemmed in the fact of this you don't want arcane to go too by the numbers because arcane's strength is in their innovation and their ways of changing how you play a game and how you perceive your game and this could still it's only 90 minutes Still could be very by the numbers. We just got to get hands on and see see how they're taking this. I, I do love that we're already hearing that they're already looking for ways to get rid of the always online component, uh, which that always leaves me with, well, why was it required in the first place? Um, because they said there's like no store or anything in the game. So I, I think they said it was for updates or something like that. So. I'll believe it when I. That's what the know. Xbox and PlayStation are for. Those <laughs> it, are always online. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So, 
you know, but uh, I can at least say that incrementally I have become more and more interested when things come. Funny enough, I've not been interested. The trailers have not made me more and more interested in the game, but the actual uh, things coming from people about the game, the directors, the, the, the people behind the game, as well as the previews, that's what's made me more interested in the game. Because I know we talked a couple podcasts ago of, oh, this is supposed to be more Far Cry than Back for Blood. <laughs> and then we saw another trailer and it's like, this still seems like Back for Blood, guys. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, preview. Oh, cool. I, I see a little more that I like. I, I find it funny that you can create craft an eight-minute preview that is using a lot of like just really random footage. And I get a better look at the game there than I do in a gameplay trailer made by the company of how I, what I should be looking for. Like, I I feel like I actually saw more of the game in in this eight minute video of really chopped up footage. (laughs) Yeah. It's the interesting things happen when you don't try to hide stuff. (laughs) Yep. Exactly. Yeah. My takeaway from watching that is, uh, this is not a game that, trailers well this is not a game that shows well this is like you said david it is a game you have to get your hands on because i'm looking at it and i'm like this does this still is not selling me at all i don't know what people are looking at and they go oh my god this looks so great i was looking at the youtube comments as i was watching the preview and i'm like what are y'all seeing like this looks like you're shooting something you're in the moment and then it's like do freezes up now you got to go get close and stake them i'm like it just seems like unnecessary busy work i get the idea i get why that is a mechanic i just i feel like that's just going to slow the pacing i i have no idea what this whole loot system looks like and crafting system is going to feel like any of that uh the fighting doesn't look great i don't see the zombies like or not the zombies the vampires doing so a whole zombies. lot i know <laughs> so exactly what he, the vampires doing a whole lot um i feel like i saw two instances where the vampires i said vampires right uh yes. <laughs> they actually did something that looked dangerous so to me at least in the IGN one, they look like bullet sponges and worse than the division. So I'm like, I, I don't know what we're supposed to be doing here. And what I mean by bullet sponges is they're just standing around a lot. I know one of them was like a game mode. I'm not counting that. I'm talking about like the regular, like vampires are coming at you. You got to attack them. Um, I didn't see a lot of that. <laughs> and so it it didn't look exciting to shoot stuff. So I don't know what people see that they go, ah, yes, this is why I'm excited about this. The abilities look interesting. I'll give that. That looks good. Other than that, they talked about the weight of the gun. I can't tell. Sometimes I can tell. I cannot tell that there's any beefiness to it. That, so that's this, a, that's definitely a uh, playing it kind of thing. 
Yeah, but there are some games where it's like, oh yeah, I can feel that. I can see it. <laughs> I can tell that gun's got some weight when you shoot it. Call it a Modern Warfare too. Looking at this, yeah, that gun looks like it's got some but oomph that, when you fire. That is it. admittedly I, in my review best gunplay in the in the FPS genre. They they know what they're doing when they build all those guns, how it feels, how it sounds, everything. Yeah, but that's my point. Like even without touching, you know, holding the controller you know, wielding the mouse, you can feel it. I can't feel it when I watch this. <laughs> it feels, it, do, it does not feel. So, yeah, I'd, I'm going to play it. I want to like it. You say Borderlands, I'm in. But, <laughs> yeah, I, do, I don't know how long I'm going to be in. That's my question. Like, I list the preview. And one of the reasons why I asked uh, Anthony and his, you know, the Diablo is like, how how is the engagement with enemies? I think that's a very big uh, thing that gets overlooked a lot of times in game design and enemy design. I don't want just enemies standing around or having one specific way to attack me. I want engagement. I want there to be complexities or just differences. And in this, it kind of felt like, like in Far Cry, you kind of just walk up onto an area, you have enemies, you shoot them, and that's about it. Like I, there, there's no engagement. the The type of engagement was how we kill them, not how they're acting. Engagement versus us. Uh, I, I actually like the having to kill enemies specific ways when it works. Um, because it adds a little bit of complexity to the game system overall. Um, you can't just go through and shoot real time and just mindlessly hold W through a game. Uh, I just I didn't see a lot of uniqueness with they're, they're vampires. They should be doing unique things, you know. I know there's cultists and stuff that you can just you know kill normally. Um, but I need the vampires. If they're going to be the main baddies of this game, I need them to act like baddies and not just push holes. Um, the characters looked fun. I know they did. It was like a single player preview, so like there was no co-op. I want to see how the co-op uh, feels and synergizes with the different characters. Because for me personally, this this isn't a game that I want to just play solo. I think it would be much better like if you squatted up and went through it. Uh, so yeah, I'm curious. I'm more intrigued to see the co-op side of it than anything. Uh, and like you said, Anthony, like it, nothing about this game screams like, oh my gosh, buy me now. You know, like nothing for me. I think it'll be a word of mouth kind of game. You're like, oh yeah, it's fun. You should pick it up. Like the one friend buys it, tries it. I call it the Madden effect. <laughs> um, working in the uh, retail industry, where you know we would have like five people pre-order Madden, and then that weekend after the game launches, we have hundreds of people coming in looking for Madden. Like, oh yeah, my friend wanted me to go get Madden so we could play together. I I think be not to that same level, but I think it will. Which, uh, yeah. So I had a thought that just stopped. Uh, so. You will get that some of that with Game Pass. 
That's that, what I was the, the, well, yeah. that and that's the biggest thing. And I think I said it when you were uh, absent. Uh, thank God this game is in Game Pass. Um, yeah, we've seen we've seen like the Steam a- numbers for things like Deathloop and um, Dishonored and such are as good as Arcane games are, as well as they review and are critically acclaimed. They don't do big numbers. The, the proof is just there. Like mm-hmm. it, it doesn't sell a ton of copies. Doesn't have a ton of engagement. This being on Game Pass gives them a chance to be like super high engagement and like you said if it's as good as the people as the previewers are saying then word of mouth will spread really fast like it, it will get picked up it will get played it, everybody will be engaging um of course what's going to be the biggest interest is going to be you know since it is co-op and everything is there a lot to do is there in is there an in-game i would assume there's probably some in-game content and whatnot with them having all these gear yeah. to earn and stuff so that yeah. it's it's really good it's on game pass because it'll it'll jump the engagement will jump just because of that it, it definitely yeah it felt like I, I don't like saying it felt like a game pass game but it, it definitely kind of did like yeah just from everything i've seen so far uh, and here's the best way to put it i think it's I think it's less of it feels like a Game Pass game and more of a this is a game that feels like it has the most to benefit from Game Pass, if that makes sense. Like, I think it's going to be a good game, but is it certainly going to benefit most because of the fact people don't have that $70 barrier of entry? Yes, by far. It'll definitely intrigue people to try it out versus if it wasn't. I mean, it's the Netflix thing. How many movies, you know, you watch just because you're like, I don't got to pay for it. It's part of my, it's on there. (laughs) Like there's, there's definitely movies that I've seen because of a subscription service that I would not have paid to go see. And some are, you know, surprising. You're like, oh, wow. Yeah. So that's really good. Yeah. That's going to be, I feel like a lot of that's going to happen with this game. Uh, Assuming once again, that all the previews are, 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 it matches up the it whole game over, match yeah, yeah. the whole game matches up to the 90 minutes that people have seen so okay what else we got well next up uh we know that anthony's not seen it but ninja theory showed off a look at hellblade 2's facial animation tech at gdc which they sh- unreal 5 they showed off quite a few things uh I know we it is the butt of so many jokes, but my word, how does Fortnite look this flipping good? Like other game, like other games in the space are like, look at us, look at us. Fortnite's over here, like we're on Unreal Five, sucker. <laughs> like and uh, like seeing what people have created, they've done all kinds of things with like the the Fortnite. Ed- There's an Unreal editor in Fortnite now. To it. Like people have made rust and shipment from Call of Duty and are <laughs> playing stuff like that. Like these, it's it's uh. insane. Um, it's like everybody talks about how Roblox is this huge thing, and, and which it because <laughs> Roblox is a humongous thing, and people are building oh, yeah. ridiculous things in that game. Fortnite is about to do that with this editor. Like 
that is the main reason they're bringing it in is they're like, oh, all those dollars over there in <laughs> Roblox. Well, guess what? We're going to bring this into our game to create things. And we're going to make sure the creators are making plenty of money off of it. So they do come over here. So just Epic is one of the smartest video game companies out there. Um, but I digress because their engine is everything looks incredible. We're going to watch this trailer and let Anthony see what the deal is. Live reaction. Live reaction. <laughs> Live reaction. I need you to go so over the top that you crash. <laughs> Sign perf cut, take 13. <clears throat> is this it right now? Yes. It's so crazy, guys. What the heck? You can even see the boat runner in the house. <laughs> I see through your darkness now. Hey. I see through your lies. I I can see the video gameness in it, but yeah. I will not appease your gods. I will destroy them. With that little extra. (laughs) She has something in her her teeth. Yeah, I'm getting that out. Good. You like it? <laughs> they were like, okay, this is going to be a tech demo of your face. We need your lips to move in all kinds of crazy ways. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because if not, people are going to be able to see how pixel, you know, the, uh, it's just like, all right, she, she's saying it with all the lip. Like, well, that was impressive. At, at the beginning of that, I actually thought that that was her just dressed up. At the very beginning of it, before they add all the other effects, and it was like, wait a second, this is also in in Unreal Five. Like, next gen's coming. Oh yeah, it's (laughs) well. Keep in mind that's more just stuff. It's not gonna. That's gonna be limited cutscenes and whatnot. But that does signify that in-game cutscenes and stuff like that will look even better. So. If that's going to be a regular, you know, your F- FMV cutscene, for lack of a better way to put it right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's good. That well, was, we've had some crazy. very, some incredible performances recently. I mean, death, the, the, the cutscenes in Death Stranding are incredible. Uh, that's true. You've got uh, as maligned as Callisto Protocol was, the the facial <laughs> animations were incredible so the the technology behind all of this stuff is just yeah i mean modern warfare 2 looked good yep so i mean it we the craft is just it's just growing and think games are just looking better and better and better you know what games are really going to benefit from that it's going to be the comic games the games based on the comic books like those are really going to benefit from this tech leap i was I just had an imagination of what if Batman Arkham Asylum and Arkham City like had this kind of technology. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like that would be nuts. Yep. Those scarecrow yep. scenes and things like that <laughs> would be so wild. Well, uh, a game that's about to probably benefit from those is PlayStation 5's own Marvel Spider-Man 2. 
which leads us into our next segment, which is that uh, somebody made a boo boo because he don't know the space. Uh, Spider Man Two is apparently going to release in September. Uh, Tony Todd claims uh, that there's a massive publicity campaign that is planned in August, and that's when they say a lot of the commercials are going to drop. And he said, looks like September when somebody was asking about when the game was coming out. So I am, I'm about to have to unfortunately deal with my, lose my number again from last week, last, uh, last week, because, uh, (laughs) console fanboy Twitter is about to be nasty because God knows these are going to, this and Starfield are going to come out right next to each other and everybody's going to be yelling Mm. about which game is better. Um, who cares? Play them both. They're both going to be amazing. Um, <laughs> agree. But, but uh, Tony Todd, he is a he's best known as far as what I've looked at, what he's done. He was uh, the original Candyman. <laughs> okay. And uh, I don't know. All I know is it's a horror movie, and I don't do that. Yep. So. <laughs> uh, and I've seen him in a. I've seen him before in some TV shows. Is what I mainly remember him from. But. It's just funny because number one, he he's playing Venom, so Venom spoiled the release date. <laughs> so that's just you know ironic. Yeah, I see that. but uh, but secondly, he's you you can really tell right now who works in gaming and who doesn't. <laughs> because Norman Reedus straight up spoiled Death Stranding 2, even though we didn't know anything. Like, it, it just randomly popped up at the Game Awards for Death Stranding 2. It was like, oh, cool, cool. But we already knew it was coming because Norman Reedus already blew the secret. And now yep. Tony Todd can't keep his mouth shut <laughs> and is spilling them secrets. Uh, who knows exactly, you know, what is true, what is not. But y- you got to think. The man playing the main, one of the main villains probably at least knows a little bit of something. But yeah, he's he's uh, he hasn't learned how secretive the video game industry is yet. <laughs> so it's annoying how secretive the video game industry is. I I don't understand why it's so secretive. I understand holding some stuff back. I get. If I were somebody working on a game for as long as I did, I would want to present it in a way that's exciting. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But to hide dang near everything for so long, (laughs) it's like, why? Can we talk? We can't eat. Here's, Here's one thing I hate. I am one. I have developed one game in my life. It's a very small game, but I like the ins and out of development. Like it really fascinates. I will read gamedeveloper.com. Like I am that guy, right? So you know how hard it is to get somebody to say like how games function? Like people will rail on uh you know how things work. Fans, you know, they're all complaining and doing all this stuff, and you can't get a developer to explain like hey how does this work like can it help us get some understanding i remember i was uh talking about prices and i think what game was it 
Oh no, it's when PlayStation 5 was originally going to be like, hey, uh games are going to be $70. And I was like, oh, you know, they just do that because they can. And some developer was like, no, they do it for actual reasons and this, that, and the other. And then Nintendo comes out and they make their stuff, you know, Zelda Breath of the Wild or Tears of the Kingdom $70. And it's like, oh, okay. But it's like when that happened originally, I was like, I, I hit him up. I was like, help me understand. Like, get help me understand how this works because I'm not out here just trying to spew stuff the way I see it. This is how it works. They are, they can because reasons I didn't get a response. You know what I'm saying? Like not even off the record, people don't talk in this industry and I don't know why <laughs> Like I'm like, I, people want to understand this stuff. And even if they don't want to understand, they probably should understand so they could get off your back and you can have actual more peaceful development because people out here truly don't get how this stuff works. And when you have the opportunity to clear the air without even spoiling anything, without giving away your uh, live service techniques and things like that, you don't say nothing because money. I don't know. The movie industry makes a ton of money too, but they they're far more open. Like we know how movies are made at this point, right? Do you know how a video game is made? Kind of. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, it's so hard to figure that stuff out. Like thank thankfully, I think it's double fine. You know, they released how Psychonauts 2 was made. Great. I'm gonna watch the crap out of that. It's fantastic. But I'm done. We Soapbox need, over. We need more than dev diaries after the game's released, you know, or like as marketing material. Yeah, and it, yeah it really exactly. Is as a marketing lot, a lot of the time, it really is just the fact that they don't want their secrets stolen, like their systems stolen. And I get that. I, I don't have yeah. a problem with that, but there's still ways to. You can still be. You can still be more open. Yeah, you you talk about these things without. I mean, you you can talk about principles, right? Yeah. Without having without giving away secrets. Well, I mean, heck, yes, you can't exactly. even get a you can't even get a title logo half the time. <laughs> Seriously. So yes, we uh, we had we had like half of GTA Six is leaked, and we still don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we still have no idea if if the any of it was Fortnite legitimate. Right now. I mean, like we yeah, <laughs> they already created GTA Six and Fortnite based <laughs> off of the leak. <laughs> they like <nothing>. Seriously. <laughs> But it is one of those things. It's yeah. like, why wouldn't Rockstar just come out and say, yeah, we're making GTA 6? Like, what's yeah. the problem Drop with that? the logo. Yeah, drop the logo. Say, hey, it, you may have heard something. This is happening. Yeah, we're making I mean, GTA 6. Or, like, yeah. people I would mean, be excited knowing that the game that they want is actually being well, made. Okay, great. The worst thing is know. you already know that's what they're making. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they just won't say it. <laughs> yeah, and I I appreciate, like, in the movies, like they don't have to go into huge detail, but like Gun, like new Superman movie Gun House, he's like, Hey, I'm currently writing it, I'm gonna work right and direct it. He didn't have to say, you know, what he's writing about, you know, he's just like, He gives us, like, Hey, check in with us, you know, we're not asking, you know, for a paper, just like check in, let us know you're okay. How are you doing? <laughs> you know, is there any way we can help you? You know, which it, it's tough and i get it from the dev side about being so secretive because it's a minority part of the industry but like fans are 
crazy. And so I get a lot of that is to combat that. Um, but like, we're, what about us? We're nice people. Like, yeah, the, the nice ones far outnumber the uh, vocal. You can tell us and we won't sure, tell yeah. anyone. Toxic. Anyone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, mean, like like, I mean, it's, it's pulling teeth. It's pulling teeth just to be a, a, a journalist, like <laughs> to try like, and ask that, about things. At least say that like GTA six is in you know, development or like pre-development. You know, you don't have to do a lot. I don't need to know what code you're using. You know, like I right, yeah. Just, just tell us that it's so maybe one day. We'll, Heck, we'll throw out some us. concept art, you know. I mean, it's not that hard. And and no people ain't stealing stuff from concept art, I would assume. I mean, we got people Fortnite are weird, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they can put GTA six characters in Fortnite before GTA six comes out. <laughs> yeah. So, eh, it is. It is what it is. One, it is <laughs> one day. Oh, that's what I was gonna say. I was yes. I was like, that's why news is so hard to come by a lot of the time in this industry because there's nothing to talk about because people don't talk. Like it's so much easier to talk about people. That's why you know you can get a lot of good stuff from movies, from sports, from politics, and all that because you're you're essentially talking about people a lot of the time. And if we had more access to people, not only would it make our jobs more fun, uh, it would it would make the games industry a lot more vibrant. It will, it, and I get these game developers and directors, public, uh, uh, producers, and all that. They don't necessarily always want to be a public face. I get that, so I'm not saying that. What I am saying though is allow us to see the emotion the feel let us let us see the story of what it is to create this thing as you're creating it and again it's not this whole bunch of detail and i and all of it is marketing like to an extent but it doesn't always have to be like on your terms you know like Mm -hmm. if we want to get an interview and just ask some questions and you know ask some questions some fans are curious about What's so wrong with that? Nope, it's got to be, uh, it's got to be curated beforehand. You know, if you decide to take that kind of interview, or yeah. nope, we're not going to answer any questions about this stuff. Even with the review process, like PlayStation's got some wild review guideline stuff, right? Like that sort of stuff. Like we can't even be completely forthright in reviews sometimes because Sony's like, you can't talk about this, and you can't talk about this, and you can't talk about this. Which, and what happens and, if you do talk about it? You lose access, right? Yeah, so, like, you have for, to play that game. For all intents purposes, that it's definitely not the only company that does that too. Just no, so, no, no. Just so We're no one uses us for a uh, <laughs> for more console wars. It's it's definitely not just Sony. There are lots. <laughs> no, no, no. We we get that from a lot of <laughs> the views and thoughts in of game does not reflect Noah's personal <laughs> views and thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That 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 is my world right there. Yes. Yeah. My uh, views do not represent gaming trends, but <laughs> I just pick on Sony because they are notorious yeah. for doing yeah, that. They, they are. To ask I, I agree. Me. I agree with you. So yeah, um, but no, as someone who had ones. literally no video footage he could use in our holiday guide because we had to wait a week to post any video footage from recent Sony games, <laughs> I agree with you. <laughs> yeah. 
So stuff like that. It's just like you guys are over micromanaging this stuff. You're not gonna lose money over releasing videos a week or like you know stuff like like you yeah. you're just not. Yeah. Yeah. And like I guess my final I guess thought on it is, uh, I I think there's a middle ground or a compromise that could be met between you know showing everything you know full open door policy you know all that and between that and then not saying anything and then coming out to these award shows and press events and talking about how you're so excited because they see that every introduction we're so excited to bring you this footage really like then give us you know let's meet in the middle give us more show us why you're excited and give us like a thought process give us at least like i said check it don't don't just go radio silent and they come out all we're excited to finally show you it's like we would be more excited if we had a little bit more of an insight so i think there's compromise definitely i I think so too i mean it even the ign's and game spots you know the two of the biggest ones they don't get stuff a lot unless it is on the publisher developer's terms so it is it's weird i wish it was more open because now I, i i will say this indies a little different indies they're they're more open. It's just numbers wise. Some of that, a lot of that, is because they're looking for that. Yes. Uh, that exposure. engagement. Yep. Exposure. Yeah. One hundred percent. Even though we've asked some interviews with indies, and you know, we still don't. <laughs> so, oh well. Like your numbers aren't good enough. Whatever. Um, but the point is, you know, you get you get that sort of fun from indie developers. Like Which, I got to talk oh. with uh, Frogwares this week, and man, that was great. <laughs> oh yeah, Frogwares. Yeah, I like them. Anything else? Well, we've got one last thing. It's pretty much the other lose my number thing. Oh, <laughs> I've managed broke. to hit both of those already, <laughs> and uh, we just uh, Metacritic announced their top ten publishers for the year, and no surprise. Uh, what's that? 2022 uh for uh for last year yes sorry okay uh now that they have everything together uh and to no surprise sony interactive entertainment was the highest which they had three games that were exclusively on their console that were up for game of the year so not really a surprise uh that they were followed by paradox interactive who i'll be honest i do not know what games they make um, number three was Activision Blizzard, which they had pretty much Overwatch and Call of Duty release, if I'm not mistaken. That would be most of it. Uh, followed by Focus Entertainment at four and Take Two at number five. Uh, the interesting thing, of course, Sony finished second last year. I believe it was Microsoft, actually, who was number one. Uh, funny enough, Microsoft was number one with a uh, largely because Deathloop, which was only <laughs> on PlayStation <laughs> last year. Uh, I might be wrong, but I, that that does make me laugh just a little bit. Um, uh, um, Paradox Entertainment, I like they weren't even ranked last year. Uh, Paradox so. makes cities. Okay. Crusader Kings. 
Well, they must have just had um, just a bunch of stuff hit last year that yeah. managed to hit. <laughs> this is based on uh, this is actually based on the top five, or you have to have at least five games that you've dropped because out of the forty-five publishers that they list, uh, Microsoft is not even here because Microsoft did not publish more than five games last year. Uh, so, uh, surprisingly, of course, Nintendo uh, actually at number twelve. So they fell out of the top 10. Uh, Electronic Arts was 17. Bandai Namco at 24, even having Elden Ring. Uh, that just means the rest of their projects didn't do as well as they had hoped. Uh, with Ubisoft rounding out uh, some of the bigger names at number 38, which Ubisoft, honestly, their big thing is their big hitters weren't there last year. Uh, you didn't have Assassin's Creed. You didn't have any of the other things, so... It was a lot of the smaller projects, again, kind of kind of like Nintendo, just didn't have the, the heavy hitters. So the, the stuff that was there just wasn't as big. Um, so yeah, the, the, really, there's not really a lot of surprises beyond the fact that some of the la people from last year just weren't on the, weren't on the list, really. Okay. Yeah. Fascinating. I didn't even know that yeah. dropped. So is this yep. thing uh, averaging out the scores of each publisher, developer, and ranking them? So it they have the average. It seems like they actually go by points earned is what they actually go for their actual numbered rankings. Like uh, Sony earned 338.4 total points overall. I'm, ass uh, I'm assuming that that is probably the number i would assume it's probably the number of games as well as the score oh, okay. or okay. that that's that's what i'm saying is my assumption it could also be some other form of point score that they have uh with everything i'd have to look specifically on it to, to figure out exactly how they do everything which of course they say that the results are detailed in their main article um here, I'll give you this. This will help, actually. Uh, the, their first metric is the average Metascore for all games released in 2022. Yep. That is uh, 150 possible points are awarded at 1.5, the average Metascore. Uh, number two is the percentage of scored products with good reviews, a Metascore, which is a Metascore of at least 75. Uh, they give 100 points based on on that so like 80 percent good is 80 points um so in that case so let's say you release five games and four of your games were above 75 and one of your games was under it that's that's the way that they're ranking that uh yeah. the number three reason they give points is the percentage of scored products with bad reviews uh there's 100 possible points in that so if 20 percent are bad 80 points. Um, I'm not sure exactly how they work with all of that, but it is a part of that. So obviously the good publishers didn't score points there. Um, and then, of course, your number of great titles, which was a 90 or higher, uh, that was a minimum of seven reviews, had to be there. So you couldn't just have like five reviews on that game, and that was why your score was so high. Uh, they awarded a five-point bonus for each distinct title with a 90% score. So Sony had the highest score. Uh, their average Metacritic was an 85.6, which, you know, when you have 
God of War <laughs> sitting at 94. You have Horizon Forbidden West sitting, I believe, at 86. You know, that those kind of scores definitely swing things in your favor. I know they released Gran Turismo last year, which is, I'm pretty sure, still holding a pretty high score. Uh, it depends on, I'm guessing, Sony didn't publish Stray, so that probably doesn't count for them. I believe that's actually Annapurna, who's also on the list. Uh, but yeah, Sony was behind some really good projects this this last year, so they they grabbed the top spot. Uh, Paradox was actually the number one in terms of average. Uh, Focus Entertainment actually would have been number three in terms of average. They actually averaged eighty uh, yeah, for their Focus average Metacritic score. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I did Evil West last year. That was fantastic. Uh, they published, uh, believe they published Plague Tale. If I'm not mistaken, so they did, yeah. So two two games that were were really good games. So well, I like those. Um, modern uh, Activision would actually drop. Activision <laughs> would actually drop, I believe, out of the top ten based on average uh, score because they were a seventy six point five. So I'm assuming they were able to make up some ground on multiple titles being great titles, so that you didn't have as many duds in the bunch, which they obviously, I don't think they had a lot. Do they count multi-plat? So like modern warfare too, like I've just, I know this didn't happen, but well, let's say it scored 86 on Xbox and 88 on PlayStation and 70 on PC. Like did, do they have a way of figuring that out or do they just, I'm assuming that they probably do. Um, trying to see specifically here. They could, they could not. I'm not seeing anything specifically on it, Hmm. what they're showing. So that could factor into it, but I'm I'm not at least seeing anything that would point in that direction. But I mean, it would be a that that is an interesting thought there, Uh, unless they just average it out. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, I think we can pretty easily most likely stick Sony at the top because most of their games release one place. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But when we talk about Ubisoft or Activision yeah. Blizzard or, you know, any other publisher that does release multi-plat, I was just curious, yeah. like, how that's factored in. Well, Ubisoft, uh, the sad thing is <laughs> that wouldn't help them that much because they were at 38. <laughs> at yeah, 38 yeah. Uh, place. No, so if anything, it would drop them further. Yeah, I was just like, like, no, 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 we're, we're fine. <laughs> we're fine with 38. Like, <laughs> now, now, if it is the case, I would say Activision Blizzard probably got a little boost from from the whole multi-platform thing, uh, at least most likely. But I don't know. It's 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 more of an, just an interesting thing of yeah, seeing, you know, how how certain publishers manage to carry themselves just trying to see if I could pull up because you can actually pull up the company specifically on what they released for that year on what they released. So it's, it's fascinating. Very, very got it. Yeah. Uh, I can at least say looking at some of it, I'm not seeing, I'm not seeing it as though they do that. Cause it looks like, cause when I see, for instance, Call of Duty Warzone, the only thing I see it for is PC. So that might be what they're taking into account is the, whatever the PC score is. Because, for instance, Weird. but I see World of Warcraft, 
Dragonflight, uh, Warzone, Modern Warfare 2, Overwatch 2, and then that's it for, for their year. So I wonder if they pick like that's only four games. So. They might, but on the but on the other side of things, they only have four different scores here for the year, and they would need five. So they may take into account all of the multiple. Okay. They may take into account the the multiple platforms because, admittedly, you are release it. None of the scores are the same, and with Metacritic, they do seem to specifically. They don't just. They don't just. I don't believe just give the same score from IGN to every platform. No. If I'm not mistaken, so it is whatever you were review, whatever you reviewed the the thing on. Yes. So, so if if that is the case, then it would make sense to grab the scores from the different platforms because they you are reviewing a yes, it's the same game, but you are reviewing it on a different platform. Okay. So. Yeah. Right, Sony's number one for 2022. Well, they had a very, they had a very good year. So I cannot blame, uh, cannot blame in the slightest. They they oh. really kicked, they really kicked it. Yeah. Well, Microsoft's actually going to release three games this year. So <laughs> see where they go from there. At, Minecraft at least Legends, Redfall, at least. Starfield. Yeah. Well, and then they did Hi-Fi Rush. Oh yeah, Hi-Fi Rush. That's the so thing. and. Uh, We'll have Forza supposedly this year, so we should. They'll make it to five, supposedly. Yeah, ten since they're coming to PC as well. You're <laughs> right. <laughs> oh goodness. Yep. Are we gonna count mobile since you can play it on both? No. <laughs> the cloud Same doesn't count yet. <laughs> yeah, no cloud. Let's get yeah. in there. The All cloud right. does not count yet. <laughs> well, that would do it for us then. We'll leave on that note. PlayStation on top. Yay. Appreciate you watching. Appreciate you listening. We will talk to you. Oh, yes. We're going to have some more Diablo talk next week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Co-op. How does that work? Going to get it rolling. Figure that out. Also, I'm just going to say this before we go. I don't know where all of these interviews are coming from and how we're getting them, but it's cool that we're getting them. We got like a buttload of interviews on Gaming Trend right now, so go read them because they're all pretty fascinating and people are missing out. You got some good stuff on there. Oh, yeah. Right. it's uh, Honestly, we just got hit up by a lot of different really cool people. And uh, yeah, so check it out. We've got the most recent one is the one I did with Vyacheslav Pakalin, who is the sound designer for... Frogwares, he's done, he actually scored the entirety of uh, the Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes chapter one. Mm. Uh, so if you go listen to the soundtrack for that game, he did all of it nice. uh, by him, by himself. <laughs> so it's yeah, actually, I mean, it's, it's a very impressive, it's a very impressive soundtrack. I, I really enjoyed listening abnormal. to it. So, uh, but also he's working on The Awakened, which is coming up soon. Uh, we also got to talk with Daniel, Bis, I think it's Basuti, if I'm not if I I'm believe that's how it's pronounced. But yes, Adam uh, Moreno did that. <laughs> yeah, he he's been our interview guy, but he got to talk with Freya from God of War. It was pretty yeah. pretty awesome. And then he's also talked with several composers. Uh, got he got to talk with Gary Scheiman behind the God of War, or not God of War, uh, Bioshock series, Middle Earth, Shadow of War, uh, is and the guy who actually remixed uh, re. 
composed the Dead Space soundtrack yeah. for the remake, which that that in and of itself to me is a real interesting talk because he had to figure out how to keep the spirit of the original and not mess it not not change it too much, but find a way to put his own spin on it. So just cool stuff. Yeah. yeah. So that's all there on GamingTrend.com. With that said, deuces. Peace.